If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in First or Second Thessalonians chapter one. If you want to turn there, that's going to be our key passage this morning. It's Second Thessalonians chapter one, verses eleven and twelve. I'm going to read those verses. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump in. We're going to give ourselves to a concept that is common, and it's New Year's resolutions. Our resolution this morning will be hopefully the thing that you're going to think the most about as you leave this morning. So if you're there, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. It says, To this end we always pray for you, that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we commit our time, we commit our direction, we commit our attention to you. We know that you love us. You sent Christ to die on the cross for us. We know that you love us. But we struggle, and we falter, and we lose focus. I pray that you would help us examine ourselves. Help us not to live by the comparisons uh, of others. Help us live by the comparison of your word. Help us find encouragement in one another. Help us find strength and wisdom and direction. I pray that we would be willing, will, we would be willing uh, to receive instruction just as much as we would be willing to give instruction. I pray that you would help our church, this specific body of believers, help us to grow, help us to glorify you more. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you don't have the notes, make sure you raise your hand and get the notes. Kids, if you want to take notes, you should. It's a good example. Parents, show your kids how you take notes if they're with you. So this morning, obviously, I'm going to give you various things to write, because if you look at the notes, you're like, hey, it's pretty much completely blank. Now, for some of you that are type A, you're like, wait a second, I just need some words to fill in. Others of you are like, freedom, you get to write whatever you want to write, okay? There's two different people here that preach. And uh, we do things differently, and it's, a, it's good, okay? So you'll, you're going to write down, I mean, I'm going to give you the one, two, and three within reason, okay? Because we have to be in the same area on this whole subject matter. But you're going to write those in. But you're going to hear some kids probably asking some questions, like, hey, what do I put? Or how do I, what do I need to write? Uh, let the kids do that. They're going to ask, and, and they should. Uh, and, and I want them to get notes, because as they are... So are we. And we want them to do the same thing. We want them to think through, what are some things I can change? What are some things that I need to do different? Should kids make New Year's resolutions? Really, the question we're answering today is, should we, as believers and followers of Jesus Christ, should we make New Year's resolutions? Well, obviously we should, because our resolution is the title of the message. I think we'd be going in a different direction if we shouldn't. I would be warning everybody of the difference. But this morning, we're actually going to do it. So this morning, a resolution. Everybody knows what a resolution is? It's when you say you're going to do something, and typically at the beginning of the year, that's when you're going to start doing it. That's just the understanding we all have. Uh, I was talking with Dane just a minute ago. Me and Dane live in the same neighborhood. Our neighborhood, if you go to each corner and make uh, four left turns, uh, it's a mile. And we were like, yeah, yeah, we're going to start walking. We should walk together. We should walk more. Okay, all right, let's do that. And uh, we haven't done it uh, at all. 
So I always say like, well, Dane never called. He never called and said like, hey, let's go for a walk. And I think he tells everybody like, you know, Pastor Jamie, he never called. So like neither one of us really did anything on that one. Uh, but maybe we will this year. I don't know. It's right. It's, you've got, got a few more days to decide. Uh, it's that type of thinking uh, that will help us tremendously as we make our resolutions. But a resolution, just to get it defined so that we're all together, it's a firm decision, a firm decision to do something or not do something. That's what a resolution is. Our resolve, we have resolve within us, it's to settle or find a solution to a problem, to a dispute, or to a contentious matter. And then decide firmly on a course of action, right? It's health. Who here has made health resolutions more than once, right? Anybody? Okay, five, six, seven of us. All right, well, the rest of you, be more honest next year. I think you've done it, okay? That's what we're thinking about. We're, we're thinking about a, a firm decision that I have to take action with. And the way the video kind of lays it out, I think it puts it into some categories that will help us. But when I talk about our resolution, I want to talk about our resolution as a church. Our resolution as a church, first and foremost, I believe it should be all of us together in the same mind. 1 Corinthians 1.10. Paul appealing to the Christians at Corinth. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Now, that's not as specific to say everybody make the same commitment. We're all going to start walking five miles. All of us, right? Because we're of the same mind. Eh, not really. Because some of us are like, five miles, I do 12. Other of us are like, I can't walk one. Some of us are like, walking, like, I, I have to do that all day. Why would that be something extra to do, okay? But what he's talking about is what I believe our ultimate goal as a body of believers will be, and it is to further the glory of God. It's to further the glory of God. It's to live in his glory. It's to live by his name, by his goodness. It's to use my life to be the thing that displays the goodness and glory of God. I think that's all of us can examine in our own lives an area where we can say, I need to do that more. And that's what we're going to lay out. But how do we define the glory of God? Is it a thing? Is it like a shoe? Is it like a hat? Is it a shirt? Is it a substance? Is it a thing? I think if we can give an example of, uh, of a basketball. Everybody just think of a basketball. Anybody here not know what a basketball is? I, I think we all do. And if you don't, okay, welcome to America. Basketball, it's a pretty big thing, right? Like, and I, don't, I hope they're not making fun of anybody, but I think we all get it. The basketball. I can't remember. I haven't held a basketball in forever. It's about this big, right? It's leather. I was going to bring one, but I was like, I don't know, because then it'll bounce off the stage. I'll knock a TV over. Not doing that. But you think of the basketball, but then you think of the game associated with basketball. I mean, I started basketball late in life. I was in junior high, and I would play in the street. I would play in the driveway. And then my freshman year in high school, I started playing for the high school team. Uh, I, I get basketball. I hate basketball. I, I don't like playing basketball. It makes my knees hurt, my back hurt. It's not, I'm not the same as I used to be. 
But I, we get basketball. We can describe it. We can talk about the joys of playing basketball. We can talk about the sorrows of having a team that never wins at basketball or has won basketball. We get it. We can explain it. We can talk about why we like basketball. We can talk about what a basketball does. We can do all of that stuff. When it comes to the glory of God, though, on the other side of that, when, when we're talking about us furthering the glory of God, in, 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 in some ways it's this. It's when you see the invisible quality of God in a visible or knowable way. Seeing the glory of God is what we saw in Jesus Christ. He was the glory of God represented on earth. We saw him and we saw the goodness. We saw the truth. We saw the righteousness. We saw the mercy. We saw the humility of God on display in Jesus Christ. We see it in his word. But what we're wanting to do with our lives is to show other people that glory. We think about how we describe the glory of God. And, and the best way to do it is to think of all the things that are incomparable. When we talk about love or justice or mercy or long-suffering, these are all descriptives that we can show in our lives, but God is all of those completely, purely, 100%, all of those things in a way at which we can't comprehend. Isaiah and the psalmist in different spots mention that God holds the waters in the expanses of his hands, right? So if you were to put your hand like this and fill it with water, you're looking at a cup and a half. Well, I am. I don't know what you're looking at, but probably smaller, maybe. But the concept of understanding how good and how big and how great God is, the, the, the earth is made up of a majority of what? Water. God can hold all of that water just in the empty space in his hand. And we're like, well, wait a minute, that's like everything. Like water's all over the place. Right. It's a concept that helps us begin to grasp that. And what I believe is the way we live our lives allows other people to see the nature and character of God in the way that we live because what Christ has done for us. And when we do that, we're making resolutions that are completely different than, well, I just want to be healthier, happier, wealthier, or I just want to, I want, I want, I want, I want. Now, some of that is from our heart's desire, and it's a, it's, a, it's a needed thing. We do need to grow, and we do need to change, okay? But from the video, just in your mindset, as you watch that, you're thinking, you hear the song, right? Does anybody know the lyrics of that song? I know one part, and that's all. I don't know what the rest of the song is. But as we watch through that, uh, in your notes, if you look for number one, number one, I want you to put me. Not me, but you, right? Just write the word me, okay? Does that make sense? If I say put me, then you're going to write Pastor Jamie. No. Not me. I've already done this myself in my own notes, so you put me. That's number one, okay? Then go down to number two and put the word others, okay? The word others, all right? So you got me. Write your own name if you want. Then put others in number two. And then number three, write the word how. And just put a question mark. How and a question mark. Each of the categories in the video dealt with some specific things that I think we all go through. New Year's resolutions. So in under the category under me, I do want you to begin to think through and meditate on the concept of how do I glorify God more? What are things that I can do? What are things you should do? What is it that would begin to be your thought of a New Year's resolution? Here's the thing I need to change. Here's a firm action I need to do. Here's the thing that I need to do, okay? From the video, the first section of it kind of talks about uh, my stuff and then their stuff, right? Uh, fix the leaky faucet. 
a doorknob. Like in our shower, it's a stand-up shower. If you go in there and you really get on that knob and you just really pull it, it won't drip. It doesn't need to be fixed. You just need to have real strong grip to turn it off, right? I'm going to YouTube it one day and I'm going to eventually call whoever's a plumber and be like, okay, in like 10 minutes, the house is full of water. Dripping would have been fine. Now I've made it worse, right? That's, that's how it goes for me. I know I need to fix that. So I can put that in my list. Like, okay, there's repairs around the house I need to do, right? That, that, that's common for all of us. The second thing talked about possibly uh, fixing your neighbor's porch, right? So now we take the focus off of ourselves and we say, well, wait, 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 what can I do for others, right? Is there something that I can do uh, to help them cut their grass, rake their leaves? What do they need? Is it just going and sitting and praying? Is it going and talking? What are the things uh, like that? But I think the truth that we hear from 2 Corinthians 4.18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, which means it's, it's passing away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. You think about the things that you need to do, but then you think about the things that you could do for others, and you look at them as physical things, right? Fixing a flat tire, helping a person or people with any specific task, you can do that, but that thing's going to pass away. That's not the relevant issue. The relevant issue is that they are an eternal soul. They need to know who Jesus Christ is. They need to know that by grace alone, through faith alone, if they call on his name, and repent of their sins, they will be born again. They will have new life. If your neighbor has a broken porch and you can go to their house and say, I'm going to fix this porch for you. You're beginning the relationship of taking your eyes off of, if my neighbor complains about his broken porch one more time, oh my goodness. Instead of thinking, wait a minute, I can serve them. I can show them love. I'll fix it for them. Because you're beginning to show sacrificial love, sacrificial giving, and that person will be affected by the way you do those things. The Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians opened our eyes to a church that was having problems, right? 2 Corinthians goes through, and a lot of times Paul is very encouraging in the things that he says. He's coming to this local group of believers, and he's saying, look, don't fix your eyes on all of these things, Man, I've got to be reminded of that. And one of my goals is to say, stop being bothered so much when the thing doesn't work. Or the, like I was looking at our refrigerator the other day, right? It's one of those double doors you open it up, freezer on this side, fridge on that side. And at the very top, you know, it has a little thing that goes around it that's like the whatever, right? When you shut it, it's like crooked. So I'm tall enough, I can see, and I can see in the refrigerator. Now, if you can see through something, you know that cold air, hot air is going somewhere. And I'm thinking, why? how long has it been like that? Jamie's like, I don't know. It's never bothered me. It seems to be working fine. But now I'm bothered by it. So here we go. I'm going to try and fix my refrigerator. What's going to happen? We're going to need a new one. <laughs> We're just going to need a new one. I mean, it's probably years old by now, right? That's how we do it, right? I can probably fix it or I can make it worse. But I'm thinking, okay, I get bothered by that. And then I'm like, blah, 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 the refrigerator, right? And here's my kids that are like, hey, Dad. I'm like, the refrigerator. And they're like, oh, what? And then they start to emulate that same character, maybe with their toys or with other stuff. So I have to realize that I've got to get my eyes off of what all these little physical things are and realize that those are my opportunities to teach, my opportunities to show love. That's what I want you to invest in when you look at your goals, right, for you. But then you look at the goals of how you can help other people. The next category in that video after that verse talks about running. I, I'm not, I, look, I, I'll make the resolution like I do every, I'm going to run more. 
but you know I'm not. Like, that's just like, if I say it, you're like, okay. We know you're not. Like, I, it hurts. I don't do it right. I get too aggressive. I, whatever. Whatever my problem is with running, I'll find some other fitness resolution. But run for yourself, right? Run on a treadmill. Run two miles a day. Set the goal. Be healthy. That's good. You need that. We don't need dead people in our church. It doesn't work, right? Like, if you die, you can't help anymore. Now, eventually, I get it. Yeah, we're all going to be there. But be as valuable as you possibly can for as long as you can. If you've got to set a New Year's resolution to help you with that, then by all means do that. Okay? But then it said run a marathon with others. Wouldn't that be good? Find accountability? All the while focusing on Jesus? Wouldn't that be a great concept? That if it's like, if, like the things I'm talking about, one of you probably already was like, I know how to fix your faucet. You're going to come up to me afterwards. You're going to say, all you got to do is take the handle off and tighten the thing and then put the thing back on. You're all good. Because you know that. But I don't know that. I'll take the wrong part off and I'll hit it with something. Water will go everywhere, right? But you're like, no, I'll help you with that. That's the, that's the body of believers coming together through our tried sufferings, rejoicings, and saying we're going to equip each other and help. And, and we're just talking about a low, simple physical task. We're not talking about the spiritual giant things. We come together and pray. God moves. That's different. We're just talking about the little things right now. But you go out and run with other people. You can see how good you're doing. Isn't it good to compare? Uh, yes and no, it's good to compare. Unless you're thinking, uh, I have to be like, uh, uh, you know, Brother Bob, right? Wherever Bob is, Bob's there, but that's not the Bob I'm talking about. So let's be careful. Bob's my imaginary guy that I use for illustration. So don't attack Bob afterwards, okay? Bob's the guy that prays all the time and tells you about it all the time. He makes you feel horrible when you don't pray enough. And you're like, well, I want to pray more, but man, I'm never going to be meeting up to his standard because he prays all the time and I barely pray enough and I feel horrible. He makes you feel horrible. We don't want that. We want people that can encourage other people to say, let's pray more together. Let me teach you. Let me show you. I want to walk with you. I want to help you. Okay? But all the while focusing on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before, of us, before us. See, most resolutions are, are set for us to get a grasp on personal issues, right? That's what a majority of people will say. It's to stop doing certain things, it's to start doing other things. That's the goal, that's the majority of all of them, right? Like it's to not eat candy, not drink as much pop, uh, not eat out as much, uh, pray more uh, invested with my kids. Because sometimes it's like, dear Jesus, thank you for this day. Help us have a good night's sleep. Everything to go good tomorrow. Amen. Because like at that point, sometimes at night, I'm like, that's all I can get out. Uh, bedtime is a crazy time at our house. Uh, you probably wouldn't expect that. You're like, oh, you're the pastor. You guys don't light candles. I'll come in the living room and sit in a circle and pray for hours before you go to bed. No, we don't light candles that much because... We have three boys, so we're not using candles for much of anything. Uh, but when we look at laying aside every weight, like some of us, and I know I've mentioned this because I've covered this passage before, but, but we have so many extra things that we're just carrying on ourselves, trying to run a race that will never be effective because we won't set aside the simple sin that should be just cast off. It should just be done away with. I, and you're probably surrounded with other people who don't follow Christ, who don't know Jesus, who are enamored with it and look healthy when they have it, whatever that thing is, but you can't and you know that. And now is the time probably on Wednesday that you're going to genuinely pray and say, God, this is when I need your help the most to overcome this thing. Because you can't run races all bogged down with stuff. You can't do it. But we're called to run with endurance the race that is set before us. 
You look back at 2019 and, and uh, one of the little guys on my bus every day when he comes out, he's in high school now. I started with when, when he was in, I think, sixth or seventh grade. He was little. Now he's a freshman in high school, but still the same thing. He gets on the bus and I said, did you have a good day at school today? Usually it's one of these. Sometimes it's these. Other times he just sits down. And when he just sits down, he didn't have a good day. He got in trouble. It just wasn't a good day. He's not going to talk about it. That's fine. He doesn't have to. But if you look back at 2019, can you give it one of these? Can you be like, yeah, last year. Like that. Or you're like, man, last year. Like, or you're like, man, last year. Ah, it can't get worse, can it? Like you're, you're legitimately praying like it can't get worse. And you're looking to God like, God, it, 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 it can't get worse, please. I need your strength more, right? Or we're rejoicing. But, but, but a lot of things have changed in one year's time. I remember a lot of different things that I made a huge deal out of in my own mind, in my own actions, and in my own attitude that were just a passing thing that that's all it should have been. And I'm thinking next year, okay, next year, we're going to get a strategy, we're going to get a plan, we're going to communicate, we're going to walk through these things. Because your race is set before you. The thing that God has called you through and carried you through and comforted you through last year He's not banking on hopefully being there for you. He will be there for you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's going to be there as you're going forward because already in 2020, you know there's possibilities of things that are coming. There's stuff that you know just because of the way the calendar sits. There's events, there's stuff, and you're like, oh, I'm anticipating fear, but God will help you overcome that. Run the race that God calls you to. The last part of the video kind of goes through just how do we better ourselves, like take violin lessons. I had learned to play the guitar in college, barely, so I could play a few chords. And one of the girls in our last church played the violin. And I kind of figured the violin and the guitar are very similar, right? Because they're strings and they're the same shape but smaller, and you use whatever. So I was just being funny because we were behind uh, between the services getting ready. I was like, oh, I can play the violin. She's like, no, yeah, right. So she hands it to me, and I just kind of push a few strings like I know what I'm doing. And I start going like this, and a, in a, uh, an even quality sound came out, but it was like notes all over the place. And she was like, whoa, you know how to play the violin? I was like, no. I told her, just made that up on the spot. I just figured it's like a guitar. You hold down certain strings and rub it across it, it'll do the same thing. She's like, oh, you had me fooled for a second. I thought you knew how to play the violin. See, a lot of us have a lot of people fooled right now. We got a lot of people fooled that they think we got it all together. We're standing up straight. We're all good. We're like, oh, I got it all good together. I'm, I'm going good. Everything's fine. But we know it's not. We know it's not. But I think maybe this is the time when we start saying to the other person, I know everything's not okay. You want to talk to me? Can I help you? Sometimes you got to lean in a little bit. You can't lean in a lot. You can't make somebody listen to you. You can't make somebody do what you say. But you can lean in enough to let them know that at any time, you're always available. There's so many times where various people, especially teenagers, are, are overwhelmed because they don't know where to turn. Because it's trouble, because it's difficulty, because it's the thing that they don't think anybody else understands. But we're not setting ourselves up sometimes to be the most helpful in a way that we would say, no, 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 I know everything, come and ask me. But then when we don't know the answer, oh, we just make it up, right? We're not trying to trick people. Take violin lessons, learn how to play the violin, come up here and play with the rest of the group, be a part of the praise team with a violin. I don't know how that'll work for you. I, I've never played a violin except that one time. But our success will be better when it's with others. Take an art class. Go sit with other people and learn how to draw. Learn how to make uh, 
pots, right? Do the class. Go do it. Have a good time, right? There's nothing wrong with that. We can enjoy a majority of the things that we may have as our resolutions because we're developing ourselves. And then we find connections in all of those things. But Luke 9, 23 kind of gives us more of a sobering reality. He says to his disciples and to the crowd, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Every day you have to wake up. See, I have this really bad habit of buying snacks, right? You know what snacks are? It's a candy bar, some pot, right? I drive a school bus, six to nine in the morning and three uh, or two to five in the afternoon. So uh, because my bus travels as far as it does, I have to refuel it every day, okay? So I'm making a stop at the gas station every day. What's in the gas station? Some snacks. Oh, there's gas. Yes, that's what I should be getting. Right? Marshall's already, he's got this solved. He's like, duh, dad, don't go in there, right? So I fill the bus up and I get that hungry feeling like, you know, I mean, I just get a little snack, right? So I'll go in there and get sometimes $12 worth of stuff, right? This is like two candy bars and a drink because gas station food is expensive. But I'm like, I need it. I have to have it. I feel better when I eat it, which I actually don't feel better when I eat it. Sometimes I eat it, it makes my stomach hurt. And here I am driving a bus for three hours and I'm thinking, oh man, now my stomach hurts. Like, Ugh, like I'm doing this to myself. Don't you think that would be easy to just go fill your bus with gas and then drive away? It would be. Okay, so the other day I went, and as I'm getting gas, I'm like, you know, they had the cooler out front that's got all the different drinks in it, and then they got the displays of all the different candy bars in the window. And I'm, I verbally said out loud to myself, do not go in there. I had to say it out loud, like don't go in there. So for one week, I only bought snacks three days. There were two days where I was actually victorious and said, don't do it. You don't need it. You're going to go home and eat dinner. You're going to be fine. But then my head's like, no, but it's really good. <laughs> Driving the bus, you got, I have to sit in different spots for a little while once I get there. So it's like, that's when you eat your snack. Like I've trained myself to do it the wrong way. Physically and health-wise, I know that's horrible. But what am I wrestling with? My resolve. My resolve is, well, I don't want to be overweight. I don't want to be uh, hooked on sugar. I don't want all these other problems. But then it's like, wait a minute. Then I look at my health and my ability to do the things I need to do, and it's affected drastically uh, by the various sugars and all these other things, right? But for the glory of God, right? Would we say it this way? For the glory of God, I will not buy snacks. Doesn't that seem a little over art? You're like, well, that's a bit much. Calm down, right? But, but shouldn't it be that way? Shouldn't I discipline myself to say that the way that I live in my realm, like under the category of me, the things that you need to change, shouldn't it be for the glory of God so that people will know more about God, that they will see Jesus more clearly by the way that you do all the things that you do? And then under the category of others, you've got a list, people to reach out to, things that you're going to start doing. And you can do that, and then it's for the glory of God. But the real question is how, which brings us to our text. That was our introduction. Okay? And the last part is very quick. So don't be nervous, okay? If the introduction's that long, you're probably thinking this is going to be a long service. No. Go to your Bibles, 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. This is going to answer the question of how. How do we do that? How do we not just become legalistic, right? How do we not have people come up to me afterwards and go, well, I don't buy snacks and you shouldn't buy snacks. And if you're just going to get fat eating snacks, you're not a good pastor and you're not a good Christian. You can't do that. Right? Well, that's what I need. That'll help. 
Sometimes people yell at me not to do something. I'm tempted all the more to even try and do it anyway because, well, who are you going to yell at? You're not in charge of me. That's how it gets. That's how we fight. That's how it is. Sometimes our kids are the same way. Dad, you're going to tell me what not to do? Watch this. I can do it. Well, I just told you not to. That was the point. Well, let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11. Now, now, Paul's been talking to the Thessalonian church, encouraging them, talking about the return of Christ. He talks about this. To this end, we always pray for you. So under how, first and foremost, you better write the word prayer, okay? How are you going to accomplish your New Year's resolutions? Write the word prayer. And you know how you can write over it several times where it looks bold? Please do that. Circle it, underline it, put exclamation points. If you're artistic, make the word prayer stand out. Pray, prayer. It has to be first. That has to be the thing that when you look at this whole paper, you, others, and how, prayer should jump off the page. Prayer is the thing that we look at the early church doing more than anything else. And for us, it's the thing that we struggle to do the most. We do the programs. We do the Wednesday nights. We do the activities. We do the outreaches. We do all the stuff. We go and do. We're very task-oriented. We love it. We're our checklist kind of people, right? There's certain people that you can ask and say, how did your New Year's resolutions go last year? And you're going to be like, oh, I don't know. I can't remember what I said. Uh, I lost a few pounds there at the beginning and then doubled it the rest of the year. Not sure. But other people are going to go, hold on. And they're going to pull out their phone or they're going to pull out a paper and they're going to flip through uh, a schematic of their goals. And it's going to be highlighted with your success and it's going to be checked off and you're going to be like, why did I even ask? Because they're going to be like, look at all the stuff. But that's not our personalities, not all of us. Some of us it is because afterwards you can probably show me last year, 2016, look at 2014. And I'm like, last year, I think I said I was going to read some more books. I did. I don't remember all the names of all of them, but I can go look it up. I'm not that category uh, to get it. But, but when it comes down to, uh, we get to pray. See, Paul's encouraging them. To this end, we always pray for you. So my job, Pastor Brian's job, the com- commitment you, you know you have from us, and this isn't new, and I hope it's not new to you, but we pray for you. We pray for you. In my backpack is my list. What's cool now is the, the software that we use, you can print uh, all the members, and it has a little picture. So some of you... You need to update your picture because I'm like, I'm praying for this person. I'm like, wow, they look really young. That happens. Uh, and, and it's got a picture because sometimes you know how I get with names. I'm like, hey, you, how are you doing? I'm like, oh man, I can't remember the name. The more I've prayed for people, the more I've remembered people's names. But Pastor Brian has that. I have that. You, should, you can have that. If you want one, just say, I want a list of all the people in the church. I want to pray for them. I want to know the names. I want to be able to contact them. That's fine. We'll give those away. But we need to pray for one another. That's a comfort to the Thessalonians. Paul is praying for us to do what he's about to say here because prayer has to be first. It has to be uh, the most important thing. It really makes you reconsider what your resolutions for the new year will be. I'm going to ask God to make me more popular at work. I'm going to ask God to give me more money. I'm going to ask God to... Get that one guy that's annoying fired. What do you, really, that's how you would pray? You would pray that God would save that individual and that you could be the one to disciple him. You're going to pray that God would give you patience. You're going to pray that God would help you be content. That's how that's going to look. Okay? So that's my call in life. It's to pray for you. The second part of that verse, that our God may make you worthy of his calling. 
Now, a lot of times when Paul says, he doesn't say that your God or that my God, he says that our God. Remember that as you're talking with believers, as you're praying together. Paul is a comforting leader. He's not the guy that's way off in the distance shouting back like, what's wrong with all of you? You can't do anything. And he's not behind them saying, hurry up and get it done. We'll see how it goes. He's right in there in the midst of them. He's praying for them. He's battling the exact same things that they are. He says that our God may make you worthy of his calling. It implies togetherness for accomplishing things. Now, here's what we don't see in this section. I know it says that God may make you worthy of his calling. What we don't have is, okay, so I'll make resolutions, I'll complete them, and depending on how successful I am at that, then I'll be worthy of his calling. That's kind of how that sounds, doesn't it? Like, you better do good and be worthy. That's that thinking that the Galatians were going through. They were saved by grace alone through faith. They repented of their sin. They asked Jesus to be their savior. They could cast the law off. They didn't have to follow the law to be saved. So he wouldn't come here to Thessalonians and then him say, well, yeah, you got to work hard to be worthy. He's saying because you are called, because you have been redeemed, because you are a believer. When he says our God, because you are following Christ, you will act like that. You will grow that way. It's not because he has called us. We're not worthy of the call. None of us was worthy of the call. None of us got to a point in our lives when God said, aha, you're good enough that now I'll take you the rest of the way. He bestowed his grace and mercy on us at his free will. Because of his goodness, he said to you, your eyes will be open to the glory of Jesus Christ, no longer the law. But then the Galatians were like, oh, no, we're going to go back to that system. And that's the whole thing we're going through with Galatians. They keep going back to that. We're not going to do that with our New Year's resolutions. We're not going to look at other people and go, you, didn't make, you made two? I made 19. I have a spreadsheet. What, do you just write it in pencil? The only thing you did on Sunday was write it down? You're not, even, you're not oh, my goodness. What are you even going to do with your life? We don't want that. It doesn't make us worthy. We are worthy because he bestowed the blood of Christ on us all. We then show other people as we grow, as we become more Christ-like, as we're in the word more, then we're showing other people, okay? So that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. So the first thing was prayer. It has to be, right over it again, make it more bold. It is essential. It is the thing. And you know what you'll struggle with the most even today? It's prayer. Tomorrow when you wake up, the thing you'll struggle with the most is prayer. Why? Because it is the most effective and most powerful thing that every Christian should do. You know what I'm talking about. It happens to us almost every night. It happens to us when we decide to pray. Three little boys, when they come in the room, like it's always like, okay, okay, the atmosphere is right, all these things, and, and, and then just one little thing happens, and it's just, it's just like this chaotic little thing, and sometimes I lose my mind. I'm like, what is wrong with you guys? That's not even funny. Why are you laughing? And they're like, then when I do that, it's even worse. They laugh even more, and sometimes it's like, ah, oh, we're just done. Go to bed, because that most powerful thing that my family's got to do is pray, and the littlest things can set us off in that regard. Because when we are praying and we are praying for and we are prayed for by others, it's that we, in his strength, by his power from verse 11, may fulfill every resolve. What's our resolve? 
Do you remember what it was? To make a firm decision to take an action. To, to figure out what the problems are and take a firm, decisive action against those things. God will and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work, listen to this, of faith by his power. I mean, how, how selfish can we really be now? Because now we're taking the category of resolution off of ourselves and we're saying, God, use my life for your glory. Help me the way I live. And understand, in Thessalonians and Corinthians and other passages, a lot of the comforting passages are coming off right after suffering and difficulty. By faith, you realize the difficulties that you have are the opportunities for you to show the glory of God even greater in other people's lives. If, if, if it was true that Christians follow God, they're always healthy and they're always wealthy and they always have everything they want and they never have an argument and they never struggle, wouldn't everybody be like, sign me up and everybody would be fighting to get in here, right? They would all be like, we all want Jesus, but would they really want Jesus or would they want what he gives? Would they just want what he gives? And I think that's true of us. Sometimes we get caught in the snare, like I'm making my resolutions for the glory of God. Actually, it's just for me because, you know, uh, I just want more stuff or I just really want more about me instead of I want him to be seen more. Because sometimes when we're asking God, make my life the thing that you'll use to make your glory spread further, sometimes the message of impact is through suffering. So now you're like, wow, and you're like folding your notes. Like, I'm not making a resolution. God's going to kill me. No, that's not what he's going to do. By his faith, by his power. Our faith applied to his power changes things in a way that other people go, wow. And when they ask why, and when they lean in a little further, that's our moment to say it's for the glory of God. It's so that he'll be made known more. Going down to verse 12. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him. So we're praying. We're living with the name Christian. We're growing into it and we are worthy because of his power. Right? He's going to fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power. You understand it's the same power that's got the earth sitting where it is and rotating how it is and the waters where they are and the seas where they are and the nature of all things around us and in the entire galaxy and all the universes put together. That's the same power that he's saying to you by faith as you trust me, I help you change and grow so that Jesus receives the glory, so that God receives the glory by the way we do the things that we do. So that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything comes from the grace of God. Everything that we have comes from his grace. It's his mercy. It's his saying, you I love, and you I comfort. And you, I give the power to overcome the sin, like when we're talking about running our race from Corinthians, being able to set off the simple thing. But it's not simple to us because it's probably the thing that we love. It's the thing that we want. It's the thing that's tricked us into thinking that's what we need and that's what will make us okay, right? It's getting some pop and it's getting a candy bar. It somehow completes me, but it doesn't. And it doesn't have to. And for some of you, you're like, well, just don't go in there. Well, yeah, but I struggle with that because I've trained myself to think that's good. 
And we've trained ourselves to think that the mediocrity that maybe we've settled for in our New Year's resolutions is okay. But do you want the glory of God to spread down every single street in this town? Do you want the glory of God to spread through every single classroom in this high school, junior high, elementary, gas station, uh, restaurant, in this town? Do we want the glory of God to be seen? Do we as a church realize that when we make our resolution, we're making our resolution together to say, I want the glory of God to be seen in my own salvation, in my own comfort through difficulty, in my own rejoicing at answers to prayer. It has to happen here. It has to be us together. That's what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians. Be of the same mind. Get together in this. When that prayer room is open before the service, stop in and say, well, it might feel awkward because you know you walk in there and you're you're praying with the pastors. And you're like, well, I don't know how to pray. It's going to feel, it's going to be weird. It's going to be awkward. They're going to criticize me for the way I pray. I'm never going to do that. I tell the kids, and I'm still pulling them in youth group. Uh, we sing a song, we pray, we sing another song. Sometimes I go to specific kids and say, will you pray tonight? I can't do it. I can't do it. Next Sunday, right? I have a champion. There's one in here that used to never ever talk, never answer questions, never pray. And I just kept pushing. I just kept pushing. And she eventually did it. And then it would be like, who wants to pray? She's like, I'll do it. God changes people. God changes things. That's what we're asking him to do when we make these resolutions. But it's according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our encouragement and that's where our hope comes from. We can do it for ourselves. And so what? But when we do it for the glory of God, we're identifying a purpose greater than just a simple one of, I'm going to lose 30 pounds in the new year, right? You're all going to see it and go, hey. Or I'm not, you're going to go, hey. Like, you're going to see me fueling my bus and you're just going to honk and shout out the window, don't you do it, right? People would be like, man, that guy has no friends. Like, people just shouting at him. No, I understand what it is, right? But that would be a collection of us being like, hey, we're for each other. We're not just a whole bunch of selfish people that want to look better and act better and be nice. We're a bunch of people that want to say in our emptiness and in our weaknesses, we cry out for the, the glory of God to be shown because there is no other purpose for our suffering. There is no other purpose for our pain except that we can turn it back to him and say, I glorify you in this. I find purpose in it because you will be seen. God, help me overcome the desire to quit. Help me overcome the desire to not feel loved or to not feel important. That's what we have to do. We've got to do that so much that people go, man, that church, Grace Community Church, that church, the people at that church. I mean, you can go one of two ways. The people at that church or the people at that church, right? You understand the difference? <laughs> Sometimes it happens either way. We want the latter. We want the ones that are just like, hmm, what is it about? They're saying God does these things. They're saying Jesus is all to them. And it looks like it. That's what we want. Let's stand together. I'm going to close in prayer. As you're going to make these resolutions, as you're going to look over the sheet later, as you're going to have a New Year's party, whoever you're going to be with, make a dedication to possibly pray in the New Year to take the steps that you need to take. I'm going to read Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, and then I'm going to pray. It's our last service of the year. I told that to my kids last night and they totally blew their mind. Well, you're not going to church anymore? What do you mean it's our last service? It's the last service of this year. What do you mean? Like, what's happening to church? I'm like, the Wednesday's the new year and it's like bedtime. So then I caught on to their sneaky little, well, let's just keep asking dad questions so we don't have to go to sleep. And I was like, forget it. 
it's a new year. We'll explain it to you tomorrow, okay? But here's Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. This has got to be our prayer as we're setting those goals. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for what's coming Wednesday. It's just a day, but it signifies a marking in our lives of a year. We can look back on our year. We can rejoice. We can look back on our year and see where you have been there for us. We can look back and see where we have forsaken you, we've turned from you, and we struggled. But God, in your grace and mercy, you forgive. God, I pray that you would give graciously the power for each of us to be more Christ-like in all that we do and say. When we look to our own selves, we look at our own lives, the things that we're stuck with, the things that we're struggling with, help us. Send the friends, send the comfort, send the scripture passages. Help us spend time in prayer to change. But God, when we look out to others, we don't just see the simple or the difficult task of a physical thing. We look at the opportunity to see the eternal value of an individual and we give to reach them for Christ. Help us to do that. Help our resolutions to magnify you. Help us empty ourselves. Help us to put things on our list that will require us to pray every day and trust in you alone. That when we do that, we have nothing to do but glorify you. Each Sunday when we come, we sing different. Every Wednesday we come, we disciple different. Every day we go to work, it's different. But it'll only happen with you. It'll only happen because of you. And we need you to do that for each of us. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.